In this episode of The Interface, I speak with Erica Frank, Amphenol's Environmental Health, Safety, and Sustainability Manager for the Americas. Erica has been with Amphenol since 2014. We talk about her role working with the various locations in her region to provide guidance and direction on all things EHSNS. We talk about her connection to sustainability, why it's so important to the business, and why it's so important to her. We talk about her time working as an environmental engineer before finding Amphenol. We talk about being an identical twin growing up in Western Pennsylvania and the time her and her sister switched places. We talk about her busy family life and how she uses Zumba as a stress reliever. And of course, we talk about her Desert Island album, book, and movie. This is The Interface. By the way, I love your artwork behind you. Oh, thank you. Kid art. Kid art. Nothing like kid yes. art. So uh, how old for your kids that are that are drawing that? Oh, uh, my son is 10. He yeah. drew the uh, Mr. Earth there. Yeah. And then my daughter, my daughter is six and she did, you know, more of the finger painting there. Mr. Earth, how appropriate for someone who's in EHSNS, Erica, to have. Why do you think it's on my bulletin board? <laughs> to have Mr. Earth on your, your home office background. But thank you for doing this today. I very much appreciate it. Um, so. While we get start as we get started here, um, and I guess it's a perfect segue with Mr. Earth over your or behind your left shoulder there from your son. Tell us a little bit about what your job is, uh, what your role is for Amphenol Corporation. Sure. Thanks, Chris. Thanks for having me. Sure. So my role in the company is the Environmental Health and Safety and Sustainability Regional Manager for the Americas. So I'm available in, in an advisory capacity. Uh, to support all of our operations in North and South America. I'm like an internal consultant. Uh, the operations are my clients and I'm here to serve. Mm. So you cover a lot. You know, that, That's a lot of different facilities. That's a lot of different businesses. Um, how do you, how do you manage that? How do you do that on a, you know, say month to month basis or an annual basis? Oh yes, that's a great question. And one of the great parts of Amphenol is we're always growing. So I think we're up to about 85 manufacturing facilities in my region mm -hmm. currently with the latest acquisition. So it just keeps growing. Um, I've been in this role about two and a half years, nearly two of which have been in the pandemic. So I haven't been able to visit everyone as much as I would like to. Um, that's certainly my favorite part of the job is seeing all the different facilities and the different manufacturing processes and meeting the different people. Um, I feel so lucky to be able to get to do that. But uh, managing everybody's needs on a month-to-month basis, uh, you never know what's going to come up on any given day. That's also what makes it exciting. Balancing that with what some of our longer-term objectives are to promote sustainability within the company as well. Sustainability has certainly become more and more of a an important topic, not only for the Amphenol Corporation, but for many corporations around the world. Just if you could briefly just describe the Amphenol uh, overview of sustainability efforts that have been going on, you know, whether it's in your region or the other regions around the world. Sure. I would say the starting place for sustainability within Amphenol was really just trying to measure our performance. Mm -hmm. So we started a few years ago by developing sustainability metrics, uh, rolling out a data collection system for our manufacturing operations to report their data. 
and then an annual effort to roll up the data into our sustainability report, which your team helps us publish. Right. Um, so we've been we've been looking at that for the first three years, but it's a really exciting time in sustainability right now because I think we're ready to transition from measuring to more action. We want to encourage our facilities and our operations to to take more initiatives uh, to improve their sustainability performance. And so the first step of that is education. So we're currently in the process of developing some educational materials to help spread the word about ESG. That's another word for sustainability. So environmental, social, and governance. Uh, so there will be some ESG training coming out for our senior leadership, our general managers, and our operations as well. Uh, that's the starting place. So one of the initiatives that we're excited about is the STAR program that we're going to be rolling out. It's sustainability through action and responsibility. So it's an incentive program to encourage our operations uh, to develop innovative solutions for environmental, health and safety, social, and product sustainability. Uh, there will be some financial incentives to help our operations get right. these programs off the ground. The STAR initiative being uh, something that's going to be rolled out shortly here for uh, trying to promote uh, sustainability efforts uh, at the divisional level throughout the corporation and again, you know, we've heard this in the sustainability reports, uh, the annual reports, and a lot of the presentations that have been given given at the corporate level too. That sustainability is just good business, right? Um, we heard it from Adam Norwood on down when it when it comes to this. Why is it so important to you? I mean, what is it that you that really connects with you uh, when it comes to sustainability in our business? Oh, thank you. Um, sustainability is the ability to meet the needs of our current uh, company and generation without compromising the ability of future generations to meet their needs. Mm. And as a parent and a global citizen, I, I absolutely would love to leave the earth in a better place than how we found it. And that's something I've always been very passionate about in my life. No, and that was going to be my next question. Is this, is this something that was important to you regardless of the job that you have, or have you always been you know, environmentally and socially conscious when it comes to these issues? I've always been interested in environmental matters. Um, I started out my career as an environmental person and I've taken on health and safety and I've been learning a tremendous amount about sustainability as well. But I would say it started for me in high school. I was part of the biology club. We had a chance to travel to Costa Rica mm. and visit the rainforests and I, I realized, you know, our, our duty as citizens on this, on this earth is to protect places like that and to, to keep them beautiful and thriving for future generations. And then I also learned about um, the Love Canal tragedy. So uh, for those who may not be aware, there was a, a hazardous waste, toxic waste dump in the state of New York, and they built an elementary school on top of it and a neighborhood around it. People had toxic chemicals oozing into their basements. People were sick. They died. They got cancer. Um, and I, I just felt very 
very inspired to be the sort of person who could prevent those things from happening in the future. No, it's a great answer. And I can see why this is important to you for sure. And not that this isn't for other roles uh, that you know you would have throughout a company like Amphenol, but it seems like for someone in a position like yours, you really have to be uh, like invested in it more from just a professional standpoint. It has to be personal for you, I think, to really to, to really matter and to make a difference even more so than you would from just doing the you know the X's and O's of the particular role. Is that fair to say or? I would say so, certainly, okay. especially, and not just environmental, but with safety professionals yeah. as well. Yeah. You know, they're really invested in caring for the people around them and making sure they go home in the same condition that they went to work in. Yeah, this profession, I, I would say it, it does attract those who care, care for the earth, care for others. Yeah, and I'm not trying to discount, you know, all the engineers out there saying that they don't like engineering. <laughs> that's not. Well, I'm I'm an engineer. I'm about. Yeah, yeah. I just it, this is a you know it's a bit of a different mindset, right? It's more than just you know showing up and doing paperwork. It really has some meaning and and feeling and almost emotion to it as you as you work through some of these projects in your time with Amphenol so far. Can you talk about maybe an example of a, a success that you had in consulting and working with an Amphenol division over the past few years that that you were really proud of? Well, I am actually really proud of the work that we've done for the sustainability report, mm, uh, to okay. be honest. is um, There are times when I felt like we've done the impossible. We collected data from all, all seven business groups. Uh, we were up to 191 manufacturing facilities last year. It'll be 208 or more this year. You know, there aren't a lot of groups within Amphenol that have that sort of reach and responsibility. And uh, it was it was really fun for me to do. I, I'm a data nerd. I enjoyed administering the database, reviewing the information. And then we're going to eventually progress to a point where we we tell the story of the data, mm-hmm. so uh, we do need to share it more broadly and and help the business groups and help the operations evaluate where they can go to improve their performance. So that's really the next level for us. In your time, too, at Amphenol, how much of a difference have you noticed from when you first started to now as far as the response you get? when you talk about these different initiatives with the various divisions, has it gotten better? Has it gotten more, um, uh, more engagement? Yes, absolutely. And uh, a lot of our operating units are, are seeing pressure from their customers to disclose their performance in this areas as well. So I think the business case for sustainability is it, it saves the operations money. If you're not wasting, you're not, spending money on disposal costs. You're not spending extra money on utilities. Um, so every operation I would think would be exciting, excited to realize those cost savings opportunities as well as the marketing opportunities. Our customers want Amphenol to be a sustainable company. Our investors want Amphenol to be a sustainable company. There has been a huge growth in investor interest in our sustainability performance. Um, It's not going away anytime soon. No, it certainly isn't. And that's going to mean that you're going to (laughs) be one busy body at work here over the next few years for sure. 
So but that's Absolutely. a good thing. That's a good thing. It is. Yeah. No, sustainability is a very dynamic space right now. It's constantly evolving and it's been thrilling to be a part of that and to see Amphenol's growth over the last few years. I mean, our first sustainability report was published in 2016 with no data. And then in 2018, the first ones, that was only three years ago. We've made significant strides in the last three years, and I'm really excited to help take the company to the next level. You know, just as a small aside to um, my son, just started college uh, a couple months ago uh, as a freshman at a, at a small school in the Finger Lakes, and he's a business major. And one of the areas in the business school that, you know, when we went through the tours, they said is exploding with growth is the sustainability portion of the business school. It's just blowing up and huge right now. Do you find that around the country um, for different colleges and universities as well as a little recruiting pitch here? Yes, I would say so. Even Messiah University, which is a few miles down the road here, they have a sustainability major and we've worked with interns um, from them as well. But, you know, it's E, S, and G. So G is the governance portion, the economic portion. It's, it's everything from your board of directors to how your company manages ethics and financial reporting. The sustainability is a very broad, all-encompassing topic. Yeah. You know, I'm learning more and more about it as well. I'm sure there's a lot of people that have heard it and are aware of it. And they may know that we've done a sustainability report over the past few years. And you can find it on the website. little small plug there for you. But I don't know how much they know that goes into it and how broad of a topic it is and how much it's becoming more and more important to the way we do business um, as the Amphenol Corporation. So I thank you for giving us that uh, description and, and understanding a little bit, and hopefully uh, people can comprehend this a little bit more because, as you said, it's not going away, and it's only be- going to become uh, more important to us. So, Could I add a little bit on that? Yes, of course. Go ahead. This is, this is your platform. Take it oh, away. Sure. Yeah, a lot of people hear sustainability, and they think, oh, that just means recycling, or that just means mm. turning off the lights. But sustainability is so much broader than just environmental. It's, it's social, so making sure that our workers are treated fairly and people in our supply chain are treated fairly as well. And, you know, your company's ethics program. So sustainability is it's not just for tree huggers. It's, make, it's for sustainable business. Right. Uh, we want to make sure that Amphenol as a company is sustainable for the long term. That's a great description. And thank you for that. That's, uh, I think, puts a nice bow on this. So hopefully people now, you know, a handful of people now get a little bit more educated on this. That's what this is all about. So thank you for that. So we'll back up now, Erica. Okay. So before you were in the biology club uh, at at high school, (laughs) did you grow up in Pennsylvania? Like you're located like outside of Harrisburg, Pennsylvania now, right? Yes, I'm outside Harrisburg now, but I'm born and raised in Pittsburgh. So Pittsburgh, I'm a okay. Pittsburgh girl through and through, black and yellow. Okay, you're the second one I've talked to in the last couple of weeks. And Kelly Byers is the other one. So, yes. so you're all like her, Steelers, Pirates, Penguins, all that. Okay. Oh, absolutely. Okay, yes. I, I think it's required there. Yes, yes, <laughs> definitely. No, you wouldn't dare... Uh, you wouldn't dare be a Ravens fan or a Browns fan in Pittsburgh or a Phillies or Flyers. No. Right. 
<laughs> so do you have to struggle a little bit being in Harrisburg then? It's, it is weird because we're in the center of the state. So right. if you go to Dick's Sporting Goods, you have Eagles and Steelers and Ravens. It's it's a bizarre. <laughs> <laughs> okay, but you grew up in the Pittsburgh area. Um, so what was a young Erica? Uh, well, you probably weren't Frank at the time, but young Erica like growing up there. Oh, well, I'm an identical twin. So uh, Really? Yes. Okay, now we have to stop. I got to ask about this. <laughs> What's it like sure. being a twin? You're probably, I think, the first one that I've had on here. Sure. And I have to ask, what's it like not being a twin? Because I don't really know. Um, but, uh, you know, I was lucky. We were very close and we're still very close. So it was really great always having a built-in friend with me at all times. We did a lot of activities together and played sports together. And Yeah, I just feel very lucky, very fortunate. So it's been a very good experience for you. Yes. Yeah. So we're identical. We didn't know that, though, growing up. We thought we were told we were fraternal. Yeah. Um, and uh, we participated in a twin study in high school and they took our blood and they told us, did you know that you're identical? We said, no, <laughs> we had no idea. That was kind of mind blowing. So do you not look identical? No, we do. We look identical. We sound identical. We have similar interests, but slightly different. For example, we both studied civil engineering in college, but I went the environmental route and she went into building construction. But we're, we're similar yet different. Yeah. Did you guys like fight and argue a lot like any regular siblings would or was it pretty mild? It was pretty mild. Yeah. I mean, we had maybe in high school a little bit, but no, we've gotten along pretty well our whole lives. Okay, now the obvious question. Did you ever switch for one another, whether it be for a test or a date or a game or anything like that? Come on, everyone wants to <laughs> we know. We did. That. Did and you we really? We did decide to switch places in high school one day. We we did it on April Fool's Day. Yeah. So the only problem was when she had French class and I took Spanish, so I obviously couldn't handle French class for her. <laughs> so we did switch back and forth throughout the, the school day. Some of our teachers knew what was up and some did not, but <laughs> it was weird. So we had some classes together too. And when they would call um, my name for attendance, I had to fight not to raise my hand. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know. It's almost like playing a character or a spy or something like that. Yes. Yeah, yeah. that's hilarious. So is your favorite movie then Parent Trap? Are you going to pick that later on? No, go, no. no. Okay. I just thought maybe no. we get a preview of where you were going to go with this. Although Lindsay Lohan was great in that movie, though. <laughs> the second version. Yeah, yeah. The original was, um, I think, Haley Mills or something like that. The early 60s uh, Disney one. Yeah. yeah. I don't know why I remembered that, but apparently <laughs> I it's stuck in the deep recesses of my mostly useless brain. So uh, anyway, so you had uh, you grew up in Pittsburgh. You said you would then went to college. Where'd you go to college for and mo um, major environmental ed uh Engineering? I went to Virginia Tech. Virginia Tech, so, a mountaineer. No, Hokies. <laughs> I mean Hokies. No Hokies. I, was at, <laughs> I don't know why I thought West Virginia. Oh, man. Okay, so you were a Hokie. Yes. yes. Blacksburg, so, um, Virginia. Yes, beautiful. I always say the best decision I ever made was to go to Virginia Tech. Why is that? 
Uh, it's absolutely beautiful campus. At the time I was there, it was very affordable for out of state as well, but they have a top notch engineering school. I got a great education, made lifelong friends, um, and I just had the time of my life. Now, did your sister go to the same school? No, she went to Pitt, so she she decided to stay local. But uh, we would visit each other, so I would sometimes attend some of her classes. She would sometimes attend some of mine, so her friends were my friends and my friends were hers. I'm assuming that that was probably the first time you guys were apart for a significant amount of time. Was that difficult when that first happened, like your freshman year? It was the first time we were apart. And, uh, you know, when I decided to move away to school, I just, I really wanted to see what else the world had to offer. I wanted to go far away and it wasn't intentional that I wanted to be away from her, but I'm glad I made that separation. You know, that was back in the late nineties before people could text one another. Yeah, <laughs> That was back in the AOL instant messenger days. So we right. still stayed in touch. Oh, that's great. So Virginia Tech, not West Virginia. Jeez, sorry about that. I don't know why I did that, but uh, eh, anyway. After you get done at Virginia Tech, you graduate from there. Where do you go as far as jobs are concerned with with your degree? Uh, I ended up in Northern Virginia. It was somewhat of a difficult job market at the time, and I knew that I wanted to do environmental, but I wasn't sure how. Mm -hmm. So I ended up with URS Corporation as an environmental consultant, and I was... uh, pretty quickly pigeonholed into air quality and air permitting, which most environmental people try to stay away from, but that's where I ended up. Why do they try to Um, stay away from that? Well, it's hard. Oh, okay. (laughs) But uh, some of my first projects were a lot of fun. I was doing an air emission inventory at the Dallas airport. So I got to walk all over that entire campus and see all the different utility rooms. And I've done the same for Fort Belvoir, for Quantico, I, I love doing that. I love visiting dirty industrial places and <laughs> seeing all of their emergency generators and boilers. I just feel at home doing that. <laughs> why is that? Like, why do you like that part of it? You know, the kind of the roll up your sleeves, gets your hands dirty, uh, part of the environmental engineering part of what is it about that, that you really enjoy? Maybe it, maybe it reminds me of home. I mean, I'm from Pittsburgh. We grew up with a steel mill in our backyard and an industrial flare that you could see off in the distance. I'm yeah. just, I don't know, it just feels like home. Yeah, it's, it kind of makes poetic sense, I guess, in a, in a weird <laughs> sort of way, doesn't it? So how did you eventually get to Amphenol? How did you work your way there? Um, I was, I was uh, back with URS. I was in consulting. And I got a I got a phone call from Scott Dernan for an interview, and uh, they they needed a person at the time, but it was a short term consulting role, and I turned it down. But uh, eventually, he got permission for a full time for it to be a full time salaried uh, position, and he called me up. I was eight months pregnant, and. Uh, I interviewed and I, I wanted to get back to manufacturing. I was in consulting and I, I really love being in manufacturing. You know, he was willing to take a chance on me um, being pregnant at the time. And uh, I'm so glad that he did. So he offered me a position with FCI at uh, their Valley Green facility, which is two miles down the road. So we were FCI for a few years. And then 
I always say the only constant in Amphenol is change. So yeah. then, then the change came. We were acquired by Amphenol. Uh, we were merged with uh, the TCS organization. Mm-hmm. Amphenol Intercon Systems was moved into our building. Um, and I was the EHS engineer at the time. So I had to navigate change after change after change. Um, but through that time, you know, I helped us uh, recertify our ISO 14001 and 45001 management systems for environmental and occupational health and safety. Um, so that is something I'm proud of. Even though you've been working for what is now Amphenol for quite a while, it's been, you've had, <laughs> you've seen it through multiple iterations. Yes. So even though you're you're kind of a, an internal cons- consultant for say one company, Amphenol, it certainly does not get boring at all because you have the ability to go and do, uh, you know, and visit and work with all these different divisions. I think ultimately that's what you really enjoy about this, right? Absolutely. Yes, we're constantly growing and evolving, and one of our roles is to help onboard some of these new acquisitions to help them get to know Amphenol and learn who their resources are. Uh, and I always tell them, I know what it's like to be acquired by Amphenol. I've been through it myself. Everything will be fine. <laughs> yes. I really think most of the people that I talk to on here now are, are people that were part of the ac- an acquisition at some point. Uh, it's always it's always fascinating. The stories are always different, but very much the same. Like, ooh, I don't know what's going to happen. And then it's all fine. So, yeah, I'm glad to hear that you had the same experience. So we'll get away from work now and we'll see what you like to do when you're outside of work. I know you have a few kids. I see the artwork behind you. But what else do you like to do when you're not working? Well, we're a sports family. So uh, every every waking moment seems to be spent with youth sports. My husband coaches the travel baseball team and I help coach my daughter's soccer team. We're always shuffling to and from sports practices and games. It's not always fun. So I guess what I what I really <laughs> like to do for fun is uh, Zumba. That's my favorite uh, recreational activity. Yeah. So keeping in shape, sustaining the body, right? Keeping the temple clean. Yes, absolutely. It's the greatest form of stress relief is uh, shaking what your mama gave you. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Oh, I, I have no problem with that then. That's great. Uh, <laughs> if that's what makes you happy, right? Um, do your kids yes. participate with you when you do that or no? You talk your daughter my, into it? She's not old enough yet, but oh, okay. hopefully someday. <laughs> I did get my son to go once and my husband. <laughs> How did he like it? Uh, he did it. He tolerated it. He, okay. uh, he's got some rhythm in him. He used to break dance back in the day, so he's oh. been strength of dancing. <laughs> Boy, that's a whole other podcast episode. I'll approach that later, but that's great. (laughs) So now if I take you away, right, and put you on a desert island, okay, and you're by yourself, and I say, okay, you can bring with you one album, one book, one movie, all right? We'll start with an album. What album would you bring with you? You do realize this is the hardest question on earth as a music lover. (laughs) I know. Because I, I love everything from Broadway to classic rock to rap music. I'm sure the demographic for your podcast probably doesn't want to hear about Lizzo or Dua Lipa. So I'm going to... Uh, hey, this is, this is your desert island, not theirs. <laughs> 
True. I have been in love with St. Vincent lately, but, okay. um, so I guess I'll pick an album that represents me as a nerdy piano geek. I have to go with Ben Folds five, their Ben Folds five album from the mid nineties. Yeah. Absolutely love it. Is it. The one with brick. <laughs> no, that was even before brick. Oh, it was before brick. Okay. Yes. Yeah. All right. So yeah, ben nothing Folds five. Nothing. Yeah, nothing that was ever released to radio, but it's still uh, just a lot of fun piano rock music. I like it. Yeah, I remember them well from the mid to late 90s for sure. Brick was like their big hit, I think. So that's the one that yes. instantly came to mind. But okay, Ben Folds 5. How about a book? A book, I have to go with uh, George R. R. Martin's A Song of Ice and Fire series. So what eventually became Game of Thrones. It'll certainly keep you occupied. I mean, yes. it's what, I, a thousand, two thousand pages? I don't know, however long it is. I've already read the books, but I would read them again. I thought they were excellent. He's a great writer. He is kind of like the Bernie Madoff of writing. He would just keep ex expanding into more and more characters so that he never had to actually finish the storyline. <laughs> I don't know if he'd want to be described though, as the Bernie Madoff of writing, but I get your point. I see the I see where the comparison comes in. Finally, a movie. What movie would you pick? Uh, we'll go with a classic comedy. I'll say The Princess Bride. Oh, okay. You know, I once was on a flight with Wallace Shawn. You know who Wallace Shawn is? Oh, is he the inconceivable guy? Yes, he's the inconceivable <laughs> guy. I had to say it to him, and he just smiled, and then I thought, you know, he's probably heard that from 50,000 people over the last 30 years, and, and I just happened to be the latest one to say that to him. But, yeah, that's a great movie. <laughs> Wonderfully written. Great story. Yeah. Good choices. Well, Erica, listen, I thank you very much for doing this today. Uh, hopefully, people learned a little bit about uh, sustainability and your role as a EHSNS manager for the Americas. Thank you so much. Oh, thank you, Chris. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it.